Israel elections tomorrow. Can world governments stop World War III? Jail time for preaching the Bible. Precursors to the Mark of the Beast. A Christian baker's victory in California. A Palestinian state in the West Bank? Some say no. Globalists using every method possible to push digital IDs and climate change is being used to drive us into globalism and socialism, all in the headlines, all prophetic, and we will analyze these events and more on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Now, there's so much going on. We talk about this all the time. There's so much going on in the news from a prophetic perspective. I have to look at what don't I talk about on the radio day, not what do I talk about. I wish we had two or three hours to spend with you every day because... We could fill it up easily with everything that's going on. However, I chose a few specific topics today because folks were living in the end time, and it's easy for me to prove that. When we talk about, uh, and I know a lot of people are interested in this right now, when we talk about the Israeli elections that are coming up, it's tomorrow, and you know, a large portion of end time Bible prophecy centers around Israel. The, the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement that starts the final seven years, the Battle of Armageddon, the uh, um, abomination of desolation, all the, the building of the third temple, the second coming of Jesus Christ to the Mount of Olives. Uh, I mean, there's just so much that centers right around Israel in the end time. The final war on the planet, the Battle of Armageddon, will be fought over the Temple Mount, that 35 acres Uh, is the most disputed territory on the planet. And so much of end-time Bible prophecy centers right around Israel. So we keep our eye on that, right? Plus, we love Israel, we love the people, we want to support them in every way. And, of course, the United States is going to stand with and protect Israel all the way to the end. So, yeah, we watch Israel and everything about it. So when we talk about the Israeli elections... Um, there's CNN, I mean, there's just every news source just about is talking about the Israeli elections, what's coming up, and especially the Israeli sources. And the question needs to be asked, why does Israel have elections so often? They have had five within the last four years. Now, imagine in the United States doing that. We have our presidential election every four years. They have had five within the last four years. And so I wanted to kind of explain that to you today. What happens, what's going on, the ramifications of it, and then we'll get to a bunch of different stories today. But Israel has a parliamentary system made up of several parties. 
we pretty much have normally there's um, Democrats, Republicans, and then maybe an independent guy like a Ross Perot or somebody. But Israel has um, several parties, and none of which have ever received enough votes on their own to secure a majority of seats in their parliament. And that means that parties must team up to form coalitions to reach the 61 seat, because there's 121 seats. They've got to reach, a, a party needs to reach 61 seats needed to form a ruling government. Those coalitions can be a little shaky. I mean, we've seen that over the last four or five years now. And losing one's party's support, sometimes even if it's one member of the parliament, and you've lost the majority. And again, we've seen that many times. The last government. So the other factor is that we have to look at is Benjamin Netanyahu in all of this. Because he's kind of the the 800-pound gorilla in the room here. Everybody knows what you're going to get when you have Netanyahu in there. And a lot of people see all this uh, with Lapid and all of them that have just, is like the the interim um, prime minister until the elections are held. They saw that with him and Bennett and different things, that everything, there's just so much upheaval. And they lost their place on this um, Israel stature in the world. And so everybody's looking back to Netanyahu, but Netanyahu had problems. He had that court case and the corruption stuff and everything that he was involved with. So Prime Minister, or former Prime Minister Netanyahu, he served as Prime Minister for longer than anyone else in Israeli history. And he is still in the midst of a, that corruption trial that he went through. And o- overall, he's the polarizing figure here. And you know, some top, top politicians on the center right who agree with him ideologically, they refuse to work with him for personal or political reasons. And that makes it difficult for him to build lasting governing majorities following the previous four elections. And last year, his opponents managed to cobble together a never-before-seen coalition of parties. I think there were like eight parties that got together from across political spectrums to keep them to keep him out of power, even to the point where they had uh, Arabs in Israeli's government. So, but that coalition only held together for about a year and a quarter before its leaders, Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett pulled the plug, and called for new elections. And that's where we're at. That's what's happening tomorrow. How do the elections work? Well, again, Israel is a parliamentary democracy where people vote for the party they support. So each party gets at least 3.25% of the popular vote and gets a certain number of seats in the Knesset. Again, there's 120 and that's based on the percentage of the total number of votes that won. The 3.25% threshold is intended to keep very small parties out of the Knesset and, and is an attempt to make it easier to build governing coalitions. I mean, if you've got two of them that have <clears throat> uh, 31, then, hey, you've got 62, you can form a government. You understand? But really smaller ones, if everybody has 10, then you've got to get at least what? You'd have to get seven together. And so that's what happened last year. Well, Israel has experimented in the past with electing the prime minister directly, separate from the Knesset, 
and the way the U.S. elects a president and Congress separately. But it proved unwieldy because, uh, and the country really went back to standard parliamentary elections that didn't, just didn't work out very good. So with, with their type of system. So really, what is expected to happen tomorrow? And, and I, we're coming up to a break. I don't want to cut this. So I want to make, we'll get back to it on the, on the other side of the break. But um, honestly, from my perspective, I'm looking at it from a biblical prophecy perspective. And we'll get into that as well on the other side of the break. But um, I don't see much more happening. Even Netanyahu got back in. We've seen what we're going to get with him. So it'll be interesting to watch what happens after the election. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 endtime That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Now, the final polls in Israel suggest that Netanyahu's party and his potential allies are really hovering right around the knife-edge number of 60 seats. It could go above that tomorrow. And the drama of the election night, you know, is going to be whether the former uh, prime minister scrapes above that to get enough to form a government. If his bloc clearly wins a majority... His path to building a government is clear, and he, he'll, he will return to power, believe it or not. That would almost be like Donald Trump coming back to power after a Biden administration. And if the pro-Netanyahu bloc falls below 61 seats, then things are a little bit more complicated. Netanyahu would probably be, have the first chance to form a government if his Likud party is the biggest in the Knesset which could result in days or weeks of negotiations that would go nowhere. 
if he fails, because if he gets below 60, then Isaac Herzog is going to say, okay, but if, he, if he's still the biggest one, he'll have the first chance to form a government. Because Isaac Herzog, the president of Israel, has to determine who, who's going to form a who has the best chance of forming a government. If Netanyahu gets the most seats, he'll probably get the nod. But if he fails, then President Isaac Herzog can then decide to give the mandate to current acting Prime Minister Lapid, which will, it looks like from the polls, will come in a close second to Netanyahu. Again, every, anything can happen in an election, right? Or to another lawmaker who Herzog calculates may have the best tra- chance to form a government. It's crazy the way they do it over there, uh, which... Honestly, it's crazy the way we do it now because we thought we had a lock on 2020 with President Trump and then, hey, everything went haywire, right? So, but it's a lot different in Israel the way they do it and uh, to get, gather everybody together and get coalitions and all this stuff. It's just, it seems weird to me, but that's how they do it. And that could mean if this scenario plays out that no one, if, if, it, if, Prime Minister, um, former Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu doesn't get everything he needs, all the, the uh, votes, and Yair Lapid and them can't do it, then that would mean no one can build a majority government, raising the possibility of more elections, believe it or not. And while the party negotiations are taking place, and until a new government is formed, Lapid, however, remains in place as a caretaker prime minister. So I, I know it sounds... Like, totally, um, you know, just very complicated. That's because it is. That's why they've had five elections in four years. Now, my question from a biblical prophetic perspective. I'm looking at the end times, and I know that there has got to come a time when Israel will go into a peace deal with the Palestinians. Now, you say, that seems impossible I know it seems impossible. It really does. But there will come a time, the Bible prophesies it very clear, that that, they will do that, and that starts the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Battle of Armageddon. So I'm saying, okay, will Prime Minister get that across the finish line? Prime Minister Netanyahu. He hasn't up to this point. I mean, we pretty much know what we're going to get with him. And Yair Lapid. He did stand before the United Nations General Assembly last month and say, I am pro-two-state solution, but he didn't move in that direction in any way during his tenure with um, Bennett and then him as the acting. uh, Now, he hasn't had much time, obviously. He's just been like an interim uh, Israeli prime minister until the elections could be held, but I don't, I would be, you know, it just seems unlikely that he would get the thing across the finish line as well. So the way I'm looking at this Israeli election, because some of the thing, I mean, how they run their bus system and all that stuff, I really don't care about any of that. They can do whatever they want. They're big boys, but, and girls. However, I'm concerned about Bible prophecy. What gets this peace agreement across the finish line? It appears to me, and this is my opinion, I'm speculating here, but it appears it's going to be World War III. Once World War III happens, then it looks like the international community, on the heels of a you know, 2.7 billion people killed, they're going to look at Israel and the Palestinians and say, look, we're done. You guys are going to sign a peace agreement. No matter what we have to do, 
the Antichrist comes in or political leaders and starts working with them to negotiate a peace deal, they get that thing across the finish line, we move into the final seven years. Because there has to be some kind of a great reset. Israel could just amble along like this for the next hundred years. But the way everything is coming down, it's all, everything is converging at the same time, all the prophecies, this peace agreement has to get signed before very long. So, again, it's my opinion that the war would happen first. They would get the peace agreement between the Israelis and Palestinians signed. Then we move off into the final seven years. That's um, prior to the second coming in the Battle of Armageddon. So, you know, do I expect much out of tomorrow's election? Not really. I think it's going to go on like it has for years until a World War III scenario kicks off and then everything will change drastically. What will set the war off? I don't know at this point. I know the Bible says it starts at the Euphrates River region. Um, But from a biblical perspective, that's how I watch Israel because I know a lot of Bible prophecy is centered around that little nation what's 250 or 60 miles uh, long and about 50, 60 miles wide. Not very big at all. But I'm telling you what, a lot of Bible prophecy, it focuses right on that little state called Israel right there. And so that's why we watch it every single day. I'm in Israeli news knowing what's going on. The big thing right now, the election coming up. And I know a lot of you are interested in that, want to know how the election, how does that go in Israel, what's going on. Well, that's kind of an update uh, right now. After, we'll have to just wait and see what happens after tomorrow. I mean, they may not know tomorrow night who wins the election. I don't know. We'll have to see how all that goes. But just wanted to give you an update on that because I know a lot of you are very, very interested. Will it take World War III to get an Israeli-Palestinian peace deal? It is very likely that that will be the case. Again, I'm speculating, but it's a very educated opinion based on Bible prophecy and what we see coming down. I can't prove one way or the other whether it's the peace agreement first and then the war, or the war first and then the agreement, it looks like to me that it would be, and again, opinion, because I know a lot of people say, well, Dave Robbins said, look, I'm telling you, it's my opinion. I believe the war probably will happen first, then the peace agreement, okay? Now, let me shift gears. We'll go to a whole other topic. The Pioneer, it's a, it's a uh, news source. They published an article, a world government can save mankind from a nuke threat. This is from Delhi, India, uh, and this was on Friday. I didn't get to cover this, but I wanted to make sure you hear this because a lot of people see that the current United Nations, the New World Order that was formed after World War II, is powerless. They see it as a joke almost. They can't stop war from happening or they would stop Russia and Ukraine and all the other wars that have happened from Um, from World War II, 1945. So a lot of people see that, hey, we need a world government to finally stop this stuff. From From this news source, it says, the Free Thought Party of India, in association with the AMOFOI, celebrated the 74th UN Day with the President Manas Jinnah in the chair. And they said, while welcoming the guest and uh, giving a brief introduction about the establishment of the United Nations, they're celebrating the establishment of the United Nations in 1945. That's what this is all about. But the FBI General Secretary, B. Ramchandra C.S.T. Voltaire, 
made it clear that the UN is no longer adequate at all to meet the military challenges held out to mankind by certain uh, expansionistic nations like Russia and China. Russia and China are challenging the new world order that was established after World War II. The article states, and I'm quoting, of late, Putin has threatened the whole world of using nuclear weapons to terrorize the, the United States, European Union, Australia, and other countries, supplying military assistance to the Ukrainian people uh, who, who have been supplying military assistance to the Ukrainian uh, people in their government. So while the whole world is on the verge of a nuclear holocaust, um, the United Nations, powerless. Chief Speaker Professor Danshwar Sahu said extreme nationalism is practiced by North Korea, Russia, China, and others, and that, it, that is standing in the way of world peace. The UN Security Council is getting paralyzed because of the veto power enjoyed by Russia, China, uh, U.S., the U.K., and France, and is not in a position to maintain international peace and security. You understand that um, the, uh, the U.N. Security Council has actually passed resolutions against what Russia is doing in Ukraine, and Russia just simply vetoed it, and there's nothing the United Nations can do about it. Totally toothless, powerless. So the article says a world government should be ushered in as quickly as possible to keep things like this from happening. They do not want the UN Security Council to have veto power. They want to do away with that. Because then the world government could be this totalitarian world government that they really want with dictatorial powers. Hey, you do this. Not that we're suggesting you do this, but we, you do it now or else. That's what the power that they really want. And many people here in India, they're saying, and they were celebrating the, the uh, UN Day. And they said, hey, you guys are basically powerless. We need somebody who can dictate to nations and say, no, you're not going to war or else there are, will be ramifications. So Manas Jenna said here that in India and like-minded countries must lead in creating the world government to check Putin and Russia and Xi Jinping of, and of China. Now, I'm sitting here looking at these things from a prophecy teacher perspective, a Bible prophecy perspective, and thinking, oh my goodness, here we go. We know there's going to be an end-time world government, Revelation 13, 1 and 2, and that, but, and there's also going to be a world war. I mean, all of these things are shaping up because the current system of the liberal international order established after World War II they will not let a parallel world government come in alongside them. And again, what, what um, length do you believe that the current status or the current um, establishment of a world government, this new world order, even though it's toothless, they still have been working for 70 plus years to establish that. They're not just going to sit back in a lawn chair and say, okay, uh, you guys go ahead and China, Russia, uh, Iran, North Korea, you start another world order and we'll let you have this one. No, it's not going to happen that way. The Bible says World War III is coming. And the international community, what's their solution to a world war? World government. So that's what's coming. And whether it starts with Russia and Ukraine, I don't know, but it, it looks like I've talked about many times about the Russia-Iran 
Turkey, uh, China, all their alliance challenging the world order. So it appears that that is what will lead us, one of the things possibly, that could lead us into this world-governing situation where they would have teeth. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 that the ten-horned beast had great iron teeth, great enforcement methods, uh, ways to dictate to people, not to sit back and just suggest, hey, we recommend that you do this to squash your differences. No. They had great iron teeth. They will tell you what to do or else. That's what this article in India is saying. We need a world government to stop all this conflict. In the, internet, the mind of the international community, they believe world government is the answer to everything. And that's what they're trying to create. And there are people challenging that, and they're not going to allow that to continue. The Swiss Info, another news source, they published an article, A Christian Fundamentalist is sentenced for sentenced to, to jail for preaching homophobia. Now, you know there's a huge effort to silence the truth in the end time. The Bible says there will come a time when people would not endure sound doctrine. And they would heap to themselves preachers having uh, p- people just they've got itching ears. They can't take sound doctrine. No. I don't want to hear about the Bible. I want to do my own thing. Shut your mouth, preacher. Shut your mouth, Bible study teacher. I don't want to hear about that. I want to do my own thing. I want to live like I want to live. I don't want to hear the Bible. So what happened? Well, a 63-year-old Christian fundamentalist guy, a, a, a preacher, was given a suspended sentence for having delivered a homophobic... Now, homophobic. Let's talk about that word. Does that mean the guy is scared of somebody living a homosexual lifestyle? No. So he's not a homophobic. He was simply preaching. The article said homophobic. He was preaching a sermon. And it was in Zurich. And he said that he only quoted the Bible. The Zurich District Court found the defendant guilty of discrimination. They say he was discriminating and inciting hatred but he was also convicted of obstructing authorities by running away when the police tried to arrest him. It's not always a good idea to do that. But the man who was a teacher who had been preaching in the streets of Zurich since 1983, he was given a suspended fine totaling $15,210 or an equivalent of 95 days in jail. And he also has to pay the court cost. I'll tell you the rest of the story when we get back. Because was he doing the wrong thing or was he doing the right thing? I'll let you answer that question. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, everyone, when we talk about incidents like this, uh, this gentleman out on the street, you know, just kind of street preaching, and he throws out homosexual, the scriptures about homosexuality in the Bible. Um, You say, should he be doing that or shouldn't he? Have you ever wondered that? Let me finish this, uh, the story, and then I'll, I'll give you some thoughts on that. This incident dates back to June 2021 when the defendant started a sermon in the street in front of many passers-by. I mean, just imagine, you've seen, you've walked by people in a crowded city and, and somebody's got Jesus saves and they're preaching. They may have a little microphone or something. If you've never heard that, um, it's unique. Um, but... He, this guy declared that homosexuality was a sin and that such relationships had no value before God. And he expressed that the view that homosexual love was bad desire and that homosexuality can be reversed. So, the court, this is in Zurich now, the court found that he had demeaned and discriminated against homosexuals. During the hearing, this Christian fundamentalist guy stated that he had only quoted the Bible. Now, let, let, let's talk about this for just a second because they. I'm a Christian man. I'm a minister. I'm a licensed minister. Okay. Would I? How effective do you think it would be for me to go out on the street corner and get a microphone and start yelling out all the scriptures? that are concerning the homosexual, the LGBTQ lifestyle. Do you think people would receive me? I don't know about that. I mean, I'm just being honest here. I think there are much more effective ways of reaching people. Now, I'm not saying going out on the street preaching is bad, because I, I you know, but you got to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove when you do that. You could probably reach a lot of people doing that, if you've got a good God-called message, I'm not so sure that going in a crowded city right downtown and start throwing out scriptures about homosexuality would be the wisest move, right? 
Uh, because what are you going to do? Are you going to help people or are you going to try to drive some away? Let me give you a couple scriptures really quick. Because the guy wasn't teaching what was wrong. In the Old Testament, the Bible says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lies with a woman, both of them have, have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death, their blood shall be upon them. So it was a, not a good thing to do in the Old Testament, obviously, right? You say, well, that's not in the New Testament. Well, in the New Testament, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9-11, through 11, Do you not understand, or do you not know that the unrighteous, the Bible calls it unrighteousness, unrighteousness, will, uh, uh, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Now I'm reading from the uh, New King James Version here. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, uh, thieves, covetous, drunkards, uh, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. They're not going to make it. And the Bible's very clear on that. However, when, I talk, when I've had to talk to somebody about this, I want to let them know that I don't hate them, and I'm not homophobic. I love them, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help people. And the Apostle Paul said, hey, he went through that big list, and then he said, hey, and such were some of you. There were people in the Corinthian church that had been in these lifestyles, all of that stuff, adulterers and the whole everything. It lumps a bunch of sins in together, not just homosexuals and things. But he says, and such were some of you. They're in the church now. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You're saved now. You're saved out of those lifestyles. And so I give a message of hope. If you just go out and yell at people and then say, you know, you're on your way to hell, probably not going to be super effective. But if you can give people a message of hope, then people are probably going to be a little more receptive, right? Think of it like this. The Bible says we're the salt of the earth. The church, the people that are born again, the bride of Christ, we're the salt of the earth. We're supposed to go out in the world and we're going to be the salt of the earth. Well, think about this. You can serve a steak, right? I love to eat steak. And with a little bit of salt on it, it's pretty good, right? I'm like, man, this is awesome. I love this steak. But if you were to dump a pound of salt on it, it's too much salt. Nobody can receive it because there's too much salt. Okay? Now think about that scenario with presenting the, the gospel of the kingdom of God to somebody. The Bible says, be wise as a serpent harmless as a dove. And if you love people, you're not going to put too much salt on it. If I'm trying to, to win people to God, I'm not going to go out and I know some of them are in these relationships, whether it's a liar, thief, homosexual, an adulterer, whoever, idolater. He goes through all kinds of things. I'm not going to go out and start hammering them with scriptures about those lifestyles. You know, Even though there's scriptures in there about that, you don't want to dump too much salt on them. You see what I'm saying? Yes, we are the salt of the earth, but I love people. And the Bible says to share this in love. And so when you love somebody, yes, those scriptures are in the Bible, but I'm not going to slap you across the face with them the first time I meet you. And so 
I just wanted to give some thoughts on this guy. I don't believe they should have put him in jail, but somebody, some minister somewhere needs to have a talk, chat with the guy and say, look, you're trying to in, win, win friends and influence people. Uh, the Bible says you do this stuff in love. You love people. If I love an individual, then I'm going to spend time with them and I'm going to try to say, look, I love you and let's have a Bible study. Let me show you some different things. And I'll go through a million scriptures before I get to the one that deals with what they're specifically living in. They need to understand what the Bible's all about first, what God is all about, that God is love and He's merciful and He's kind and gracious and that He loves them. He loves them even with what they're doing and the lifestyles they're living in. He loves them. And he, want, he came and died for our sins and He wants to save everybody. And after lots of Bible study, then we may get off over some of them topics. You've got to love people. And going out on the street corner screaming at them about their sins, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know. Maybe it'll work in some instances, but uh, anyway, just wanted to give you a few thoughts because I've dealt with a lot of people over the years and influenced a lot of people to come to the Lord. But I don't use the gospel as a billy club to beat people over the head. You share the gospel in love. Jesus loves you. People want to feel loved. I don't want to feel like you're beating me over the head with a club. And you share the gospel in love and people will just... Yes, that's what I want. And that's where we're at, folks, in dealing with people. We're trying to prepare people for the kingdom of God. We're not dumping salt all over their head, even though we're the salt of the earth. I want to make sure that I'm influential and loving people because this whole world's going to beat people up. But I, if I'm a Christian, I'm love. And so I want to show love to people, and people will respond to that. Okay, this is not... Soul winning 101, but I'm just telling you, uh, I'm giving you my thoughts on somebody who would go out and scream these homosexual scriptures and LGBT scriptures at people. They may not respond to you real well, right? So, just depends on your circumstance, I guess, and where you're at and what you're doing. Um, I just love people. And I just want to see people go to heaven. That's the main thing. And uh, so, if you're in one of those lifestyles, We'll have a conversation at another point, right? Okay, let me shift gears on you. We'll go to another topic. Precursors to the Mark of the Beast. All over the news. I mean hundreds and hundreds of articles about digital IDs and uh, central bank digital currencies and uh, people putting thing, you know, chips in their hands. And I mean, it's just one thing right after another. None of this stuff was possible. John, John, when he, he was out exiled out on the, in the Isle of Patmos writing the book of Revelation back in 95, 96 A.D., he, had, he didn't know anything about any of this stuff. Numbering people and um, uh, tattoos on them or chips in their hands or this, uh, these things, that Bluetooths and all this stuff. He knew nothing about any of that. But he said, there's coming a time in the end time when the Antichrist, this, this figure that will come on the scene and run a world government, that he's going to give everybody... The, he, well, I'll read the scripture. It's Revelation um, 13, 16 through 18. The Bible says, He calls it all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, 
to receive a mark in the right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might be able to buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of the man, and his number is 666. So, John, he, he put, you know, they didn't put pe- things in people's hands back then, chips and all that stuff. He didn't know anything about that kind of stuff. But he was prophesying about a time just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ when all this would happen. Jesus Christ had already been crucified and went off the scene when John was exiled out on the Isle of Patmos. And he was prophesying about a time in the future when there would be a world government. John prophesied about that in Revelation 13. And then he said those individuals over that world government and that world religion, they would use this global numbering system to, to economically sanction people, to keep them from functioning in society if they didn't bow down to their edicts and worship them. So, are we seeing this happening now? Because remember, I said all the prophecies are converging at one time. There's a um, news source, Private Banker International. They published an article. Let's not get physical. The bank of the future is digital and cashless. That's the title of the article. Now, I think the title speaks for itself. I don't even need to go through any excerpts from the article. There is another um, news source, the Japan Today. They published an article. Japan steps up its push to get public to sign up for digital IDs. Why? Why would you number people? Why would you get? Why are they so um, interested in getting people in these digital IDs and global IDs and all these different things? They want to control people. If I can get you off of a cash system and onto a completely digital platform, it's easy for me to control you. Real easy. With the, with the click of a computer button, I can shut off your access to your bank account, to your identification, everything. You would be rendered completely helpless functioning in society without your identity. How are you going to get a job? How are you going to do your taxes? How are you going to get access to your bank account? With a click of a button if we go digital, folks. Now, Japan, they stepped up their push to to catch up on this um, digitization by telling a reluctant public that they have to sign up for digital IDs or possibly lose their access to public health insurance. Now, talk about economic sanctioning. And as this naming applies, the initiative is about assigning numbers to people similar to Social Security numbers in the United States. Now, you understand the World Bank considers the United States already numbered. And there are many efforts to number every single person on the planet. Japan's on board with it as well. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. The, in Japan, many Japanese are worrying that the information might be misused or that their personal information might be stolen, as are a lot of us, right? And some are viewing the My Number effort as a violation of their right to privacy. Well, I look at it as an economic sanctioning system in the future. When you get everybody on the wor- in the world numbered, and you get them dependent upon that number to function in society, and then I can say, okay, number 201349. Your ideologies, this social credit system they're coming up with uh, and implementing with these ESG scores and all these different things in China and everything, where, hey, if your, if your mindset of your business or anything else, that's what ESG, these reporting methods are doing. Your business doesn't want to align up with our climate change uh, efforts and all this other stuff, then, hey, you may, you may not have access to a, a, a bank loan or people may not invest in your organization because you're not aligning up. It's, it's social credit systems. And this is what I'm looking at. These are precursors to the Mark of the Beast system that are being established and set up. So this sixth, this, um, the system that kicked off in 2016 has never fully caught on, but they are pushing, pushing, pushing in Japan to get that to happen. Also, another precursor to the Mark of the Beast, the, and the LAD Bible, they published an article. Many of you have saw this. I po- I, me and, I mean, people have shared it everywhere, that a man gets his card, his bank card chip, implanted in his hand so he doesn't have to carry cards. So, it's called Walletmore, W-A-L-L-E-T, Walletmore, M-O-R. And the Wallet More payment implant. And it, it, the article stated, are you sick of forgetting your debit or credit cards at home? Sure. We have our phones on us and that have nifty little digital wallets. But even those can run out of batteries and many different things happen sometimes. You hate to be caught in a store without a payment method, right? So, what if there was a way to have your card on you at all times? What if your house caught on fire? Fire. And you were out in the yard and you couldn't get in the house to get your uh, billfold or whatever. Uh, what are you going to do? Are you scared yet? Am I convincing you? That's exactly the kind of question that one man found himself pondering upon. And soon he found an answer. Why not become the card? So this British guy, he shares his trips to all um, shop, to the, to shop all over his TikTok channel, and he revealed that he had a $249 implant placed into his hand in what he calls a painless procedure. And this guy got this process done through Walletmore, W-A-L-L-E-T-M-O-R, which is a brand of specializing that specializes in body implants, which replace physical cards and smart pay methods. 
And by joining this cardless account with WalletMore and inserting its associated implant, he is then able to pay for his goods with the tap of his hand. You go to, go to WalletMore website and you can see where the guy pays for things by just swiping his hand. Now, I'm telling you, I wish I could give this guy a Bible study. He may never have done that because that is dangerously close. Now, <coughs> excuse me. At this point, that's not taking the mark of the beast. I've had people speculate that. It's not. I wouldn't do that. You couldn't pay me enough money to put a mark of identification in my person anywhere. A chip, anything. However, has the guy taken the mark of the beast? No, he hadn't. I know that sounds crazy, but he hasn't. There are two things necessary to take the mark of the beast. And this is dangerously close. Again, I wouldn't do this for nothing. But two things are needed to to, um, take the mark of the beast. The Bible says that in many times in Revelation 13 that they worshipped the beast. They pledge or pledge allegiance to the beast. So, the Bible says everyone that his name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will worship the beast, even worship the dragon. So, which is Satan in the end time. So there are two things I would never, ever, ever do. I would never place a mark of identification on my person. This guy placed his bank information in there, which is identity, right? But also, I would never pledge allegiance to, thereby worshiping the Antichrist or his world governing system. This guy hasn't done that. So the taking a number, I've got a social security number, I've got a debit card, I've got, you know, uh, different numbers that I function by, but I haven't taken a mark of the beast. And I've had people say, well, what if in the end time the Antichrist gets you down and forcibly puts a mark in your hand? Well, they, they might do that. I don't know. I don't think they would here in the United States, maybe some other places, but I don't think it's going to be like that. I think that they will economically sanction you to get you to do that and in an effort to get you to bow down to the edicts of obey, uh, obeying them and thereby worshiping the Antichrist and his world governing system. That's what he's going to want. That's what these social credit scores and all this stuff is all about, is getting people... I feel like i got a bug in here with me today, folks. I, they getting other people, everybody, to bow down to their edicts. Get your ideology. They're not going to have parallel belief systems in the end time. You're either going to be Antichrist or you're going to be the real Christ. Okay? So, this the mark of the beast system is twofold. A mark of identification on your person, but it's also worshiping the Antichrist, a pledge of allegiance, because... To take a mark like that and to pledge allegiance to the Antichrist would be to denounce the real Christ. And that's, that is idolatry. It would be blasphemy before it's all over with uh, because you would have to say that, that the, the real Christ was the Holy Ghost and everything was false, and which is totally, or of Satan, which would, is totally blasphemous. Can't do that. And so those are the two things I would never do. Never a mark of identification on my person. Never a pledge of allegiance, thereby worshiping the Antichrist. I'm not going to do either one. Uh, I wish this, if it were me and I was this guy, I'd have that thing taken out of my hand. I, I really would. So, next subject, the blaze. 
a First Amendment victory, a Christian baker can refuse to make a cake for a lesbian wedding, a California court says. Now, you say, well, hold on a minute. It's got to be Texas or it's got to be Florida. No, no. This said California. couple excerpts from the article. A Christian baker can refuse to make a cake for an event, and such as a same-sex wedding that conflicts with her religious beliefs, a California, I want to stress that, California judge has determined. You say, man, I just can't see that happening in California. Until I read the article, I couldn't see that happening either. But that's the article. It's from The Blaze. In 2017, a lady named Kathy Miller, the owner of Tastry's Bakery and Boutique in Bakersfield, California, was approached to make a customized cake for an upcoming lesbian couple. Because the event conflicted with Miller's Christian belief system regarding the nature of marriage, because the Bible says that a marriage is defined by God as between one man and one woman, this lady knew what the Bible says. She refused to lend her artistry to a customized cake. In other words, she couldn't write, hey, uh, you know, so the, the, the um, you know, congratulations, uh, Tammy and Pam. Couldn't do that. However, she did offer the couple, the couple's name was um, Eileen and Marrera, uh, two alternatives. She could bake them a generic pre-made cake that would not require her personal artistry. She was actually going to bake them the cake or she could recommend them to other bakeries who could accommodate their request to put their names and, you know, I love you or happy wedding day or whatever on the wedding cake. She says, I can't do that. She couldn't put the little two plastic people on top, which were two women hugging each other. She couldn't do it because it went against her religious beliefs. But she offered to make them a cake or to send them to some of her uh to recommend them to another cake person that she knew. Well, of course, she knew that wasn't going to work right. So uh, it, it went to litigation. Miller's attorneys at the Thomas More Society, they claimed that after this polite refusal, that Miller was then targeted by a gay activist, sued for discrimination by the State Department of Fair Housing and Employment. So despite the state's best legal efforts, Judge Eric Bradshaw of the Superior Court of California in Kern County ruled in favor of Miller and said, because of your religious beliefs, you shouldn't have to do this. Now, again, I said California. I know that seems impossible, but she won the case, right? And so I'm very thankful for that because that'll set the precedence for other cases. And so it's very, very important that we understand these things and We give glory to God for it. Maybe God's moving in California. I hope so. The Jerusalem Post. Shift gears on you and see if I can get this one done before the end of the program. The Jerusalem Post. The West Bank won't be part of Israel, labor leader leader McKelly said. Now, I'm not going to have time to go through all that, but there is a, uh, the labor leader in um, Israel said that Hey, why invest in the West Bank? They're not going to be part of the, and, or the Palestinians having a state in the West Bank, they're not going to be part of, the, uh, of a two-state solution. Now, that's not true. And 
No, it said that, I'm sorry, it said that why invest in a place that at the end of the day won't be part of Israel, that there will be a two-state solution. However, that's simply not the case. The Bible tells us there will be a two-state solution, but there will be Jews that presently live out there as part of Israel, um, or as part of a Palestinian state, but they'll be able to live out there as a minority. There will still be big pockets of Jewish settlements out there. Now, there will come a time when they have to leave. But this lady was saying that, hey, why, why invest in that now? It, it, that's never going to be part of Israel. There will come a time in the future when the Lord comes back that that will be all of Israel's. So you should invest in that. And so it's very important that we understand when we look at all these different scenarios and narratives that are played out in the news, that we understand if you look at these things from a biblical prophetic perspective, it really helps to open your eyes. I would love to talk to, you know, I think a lot of these news guys, they get, they get um, and now I'm not talking about CNN, MSNBC and all that. I'm talking about these conservative guys. They get a lot of things right. But I was talking to our staff today about they are really good at bringing up the problems, but there's no solution. Hey, this is going on, that's going on, they're trying to destroy America and blah, blah, blah. But they're trying to come up with secular solutions. At the end of the day, folks, there's only one solution, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the only solution to all of this. My my solution to everything is get right with God, be born again, serve God the rest of your life. That'll take the fear factor out of your life, or it should. And then the Bible says all things. We know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So, yes, there will be things that happen, But if I'm a Christian, I got my hand in the Lord's hand, I'm walking right through it. And all things are working together for my good. That's the way I live my life. And I don't have the fear factor. I don't deal with that. I'm walking and I'm an evangelist. I'm winning souls and building the kingdom of God and winning people uh, and trying to get people to heaven. So I'm in evangelism mode in the end time. And when you get in evangelism mode and you're building God's kingdom, not really worried about what's going on outside of here. God bless you as you prepare for that day. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.